Turn with me, please, to uh, the book of Hebrews and the eighth chapter. Hebrews 8. Let's begin about verse 7. And before we start reading, let's pray and, and release our faith. As we were talking earlier, there's a manward side, there's a Godward side to these things. Uh, I have my part, you have your part, the Holy Spirit has his part. Utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. Just because the minister has something in their heart doesn't mean they can necessarily get it out. It's tied to the hearer in a big way. So let's, let's join together in faith about this. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we join together. We ask for utterance, full, complete, precise, the word for right now, exactly what you'd say to us, what you'd do in us and for us. And we ask for everybody, all of us, to have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart open and receptive. And Lord, we purpose not to just be hearers only, but to be doers of what you show us. And we know as we do, we will be blessed because you're faithful to watch over your word and perform it in our lives when we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, uh, it's not just churchgoers that get results in their life. It's not just Bible readers or, you know, sermon watchers or listeners. It's only the doers that get results. That answers a lot of questions. Uh, How could a person be around the things of God and, uh, you know, still be struggling with some of the same bondages and problems 20 years later than they were when they first started Well, you can be around things and hear them for decades, and nothing's going to change unless and until you do something. You put it into practice. So uh, everybody said out loud as an act of your faith, say, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. In Hebrews, the eighth chapter, notice this, please. Hebrews 8 Verse 8, 8, 8, he says, for finding fault with them, he said, behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant and I regarded them not, says the Lord. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Verse 11, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. For all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. Said out loud, all shall know me. From the least to the greatest. Who did he say would know him? All. All. Verse 12. For I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I want to begin a new series this morning entitled Walking with God. You'll find that it's been our, our custom to get on a subject and stay on it for three months at a time plus until it gets in us because it's not just logging information, it's being changed. And the Lord gave me a specific word about this church that's very exciting to me. And I'm going to be sharing it today as we get into some things. And it has to do with this very verse, this very subject. He said, in that day, they'll not say every man to his brother, know the Lord. Because they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. Say that loud again, they'll all know me. They'll all know me. Now, you've already noticed that I repeat things. It doesn't mean because I think you're slow and you didn't get it the first time. It's because spiritual things are different from mental things. This is not just about you logging the information in your mind. It needs to get in your heart, in your spirit. And when it does, do you know how you can tell that it's getting in you? You'll get excited. I said, you'll get excited. If you're just sitting here and go, okay, well, that's interesting. All right. You hadn't got it yet. But when it begins to get in you and you begin to see it on the inside, you'll get excited because his word is life. Life. It's life. Go with me to the 11th chapter of Hebrews. You're close by. Hebrews 11.5 says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now the thing that Genesis says, we don't have much information on Enoch. But it just simply said that he walked with God. Genesis records that Enoch walked with God. And then later it said he walked with God. And then that God took him. And he couldn't be found. And the scripture says here that he had this testimony that he had pleased God. And then verse 6 tells us how he pleased God. 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is, and you must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. The BBE, the Basic English Bible, says it like this. Without faith, it's not possible to be well-pleasing to him. For it's necessary for anyone who comes to God to have the belief that God is and that he is a rewarder of all those who make a serious search for him. He's a rewarder of who? Those that look for him. Those that seek. Those that reach for him. He said, you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. If you believe there is no God and you don't reach out, it'll seem to you like what you believe is true. But it won't be God's fault, it'll be your fault. But if you believe in him and reach out to him and for him, he'll respond to you. 
He'll reveal himself to you. The more you believe in him and the more you reach out to him, the more you will experience him. They'll all know me, he said, from the least to the greatest. The New Century Version says you must believe that he's real and that he rewards those who truly want to find him. Now, the Lord gave me this word about this church. And when I, you'll find I do not say that lightly. I don't say that all the time. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. I don't mean I had a vision. But it came up to, in me real distinctly. The Lord has given you, given us, a place. A place to gather and, and meet in. A place to come and minister to him and allow him to minister to us. It is not just a place to hear about him and to learn about him. It is a place to experience him. Too many have been satisfied with coming and hearing about God. And just learning some things about God. No, it's not his intent. His will is that you come to know him. And I know many of you do know him in a measure. We all know him in a measure if we've come to him. But he can be so much more real to you. You can know him so much better than you do now, every one of us. Does that bear witness with you? That we're not just supposed to come and hear about him and learn more about him only. But we are to what? Experience him. Thank you, Lord. I believe we will. We will. We will experience him in this place and from this place. He'll minister something to you. You'll experience him here and then at home and then on the job. He'll continue to to minister to you and you'll experience him. You do not have to know God vicariously through somebody else. You can know him personally. Not just know about him. Know him. Personally, for yourself. It is his will. It is his plan. It's his purpose. Somebody said out loud, I can know him. him. For myself. Thank you, Lord. This word know is found many, many places in the Bible. It's the same word where he says, they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. It's the same word. This translated when it says Adam knew his wife Eve. This is intimate personal experience. We're supposed to know God experientially and intimately. Go with me if you would to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, the second chapter and verse 5. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. How many people 
are between you and God the Father? One. Jesus. No man comes to the Father, Jesus said, except by me. You don't have any standing in the presence of God except by Jesus. Right? Our right to be in the presence of God, our right to be a child of God, our righteousness, our everything is because of him. But other than him, you don't have to go through anybody to get to the Father. You're not dependent on anybody. You don't have to know God vicariously through anybody else. Do you believe this? Uh, Even though you, you might think you already know this, there's greater revelation here. Vicarious means experienced or realized through imaginative participation. In the experience of another, you hear somebody talking about what they know of God, what they've experienced of God, and so you have learned vicariously through them, and you say, well, that's what God's like. They saw this, they heard this, they experienced this, that's what God's like. You hear them tell about that, and so you say, okay, well, that's what he's like. That's not enough. I said, that's not enough. It's not the will of God. It's not the plan of God. You and I are supposed to know him for ourselves. Do you believe it? Say it out loud. I can know him for myself. Now, that doesn't mean God can't use other people to minister to you and help you, but you don't have to rely on their experiences to shape your view and understanding of God. And you're not supposed to. There's one mediator between God and men. How many? Just one. Who is he? Jesus. Not your parents. Not your preachers. Not your spouse. Who? Jesus. Jesus. What's God like? You're supposed to know him for yourself. You're supposed to know for yourself through personal experience. You're not just supposed to hear about him and learn about him. You're supposed to experience him. Thank you, Lord. Enoch did. His experience with God grew to the point he was translated out of here. How did it start, though? He had heard about a God who Grandpa and Grandma Adam and Eve knew. He had heard about a wonderful place called the garden. He had heard about a personal relationship with the Almighty, how he would come down in the cool of the day, and they talked to him personally. And they experienced him. You know, as so many folks uh, have been sold uh, deception in their so-called education, They view the beginnings of man as uh, animal-like creatures hunched over in caves, grunting at each other. Adam and Eve were made in the likeness and image of God himself. Brilliant, brilliant. God would come down 
And Adam would look at the sunset and he'd say, wow, God, that's amazing. How did you do that? And he would explain it to him and he would understand it. No Uggs. Ugh. Brilliant. Brilliant. But they knew God personally, experientially. But by the time Enoch comes along, they've been kicked out of the garden. Their sin has separated them from God. He just hears stories about God. How great it was back in the pre-sin days. How great it was back in the garden. Oh, it was so great. It was so wonderful. Does that sound familiar? Back during the move of God. Back during the miracle days. Back during this. Back during that. And people go, wow, isn't that something? Would have been great to live back then. The Bible said, don't say what's the cause that the former days are better than these. He said, don't say that. Don't talk about the good old days. Because your best days are supposed to be in front of you. And they are if we'll believe it. We don't have to look longingly on any period in time or at any group of people in the past and go, wow, wouldn't it have been amazing to live in their time and experience this? No, no, no. You have been brought into the earth for this time, this generation. And you and I are on the cutting edge of what's happening in the earth. And you don't have to wish to know him like other people did. You can know him today for yourself. Say it out loud. I can know him for myself. Not experienced or realized by imagining what it was like listening to somebody else tell you their experience of God. Including any preacher. Including me, anybody else, you don't say, well, boy, it sounds like this one or that one knows God and sounds like he's real to them. And they said God is like this or God is like that, so I guess he must be. So, okay, that's how he is. That's not good enough. That's not enough. Turn with me, please, to 1 John 2. 1 John 2. How many mediators between God and men? Just one. Just one. You know, when you realize that, you won't ask people so much, you know, would you pray for me? Would you believe for me? Would you do this for me? Now, it's fine for us to pray for one another. But uh, to go and ask somebody, Would you pray for me about my finances? Would you pray for me about this or pray for me about the other? Oftentimes people want other folks to do their praying for them. Well, it's kind of like if you had a busted leg or something and you wanted me to cut your grass or do your wash for you. Maybe I would. But you know, when you've been healed and doing fine for the last eight months and you still want me to cut your grass and do your wash... Eventually, I'm going to say, hey, why don't you cut your own grass? Right? No reason why you can't cut your own grass. And the same thing is true with your own praying, with your own believing. One reason sometimes people are so quick to try to get other people to pray is because they don't have confidence toward God themselves. They want somebody that knows him, somebody that has some faith 
to pray for me. Well, you're supposed to know him. You can have faith. He can be real to you. And you don't have to go through somebody else. It is wonderful to know you can come boldly into the presence of God. You, not you plus anybody else, just you. In the name of Jesus and he will hear you. He'll receive you. He'll answer your prayers. He'll respond to your faith. You, yes, you. Not you plus, just you. Just you. It's a wonderful thing. It's a liberating thing. In 1 John 2. 1 John 2 and verse 27. He says, the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, lives in you, dwells in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Some have misunderstood this verse. Some people have said, well, you know, yeah, all I need is God and I don't need to go to church. I don't need to hear any preachers or well, see, that contradicts other scriptures. Other scripture says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Right? There's something you will get, we will get coming together as a group. We can get no other way. The Lord has ordained it. It's supposed to be that way. Also, he gave gifts unto men. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Well, there must be some reason why he gave them. But what is he saying here? You are not dependent on me to explain the word to you because you can't understand it yourself. Read the scripture and see if that's what it says again. Verse 27. The anointing which you have received of him abides in you and you need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teaches you. What teaches you? The anointing teaches you. That's not me. That's not a man. That's not a woman. The anointing, the Holy Spirit manifesting himself is the anointing. He's the teacher. And didn't Jesus say that when he's come? He'll guide you into all the truth. He'll teach you. He'll bring all things to your remembrance that I've said to He'll show you things to come. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. You can understand this book. Well, Brother Keith, I, I didn't finish high school. You can understand this book. Yes. It's possible to have multiple doctorate degrees in theology and speak Hebrew and Greek and Latin and still not know God at all. Not knocking that, I'm just saying it's possible. And it's possible to not be able to figure out how much three plus three is and yet know God personally, <laughs> experientially. Why? It's not based on our brilliance and intellect that we're able to grasp his word. It's because he is such an amazing teacher. He'll speak to me in Mississippi slang. He'll talk to you in New York brogue. Or Sarasota, whatever. Whatever you understand. He speaks all languages. He understands all cultures. 
everything. He is such an amazing teacher that he can take this word that is so profound and so deep and so amazing and yet so simple. And open your eyes and open your ears and open your heart and open your mind and you understand it. Say it out loud, I can understand his word. I don't think anybody has been more maligned and more misrepresented than God. There has been so much junk said about God. What he supposedly said, how he supposedly is, what he supposedly done. God has been maligned and misrepresented. Do you believe this? Oh, people have said all kind of stuff, including ministers, preachers, have said all kind of things about God that's just simply not true and not right. It might have been out of ignorance. Or it might have been out of pride or any number of things. But if you're going to know God for yourself, how can you discern between the junk and the truth? Let me read to you from, uh, from Jeremiah. He describes this, how that uh, people have said they were quoting him, and yet he had nothing to do with it. You don't have to turn there. You can just listen. Jeremiah 23 21, he said, I've not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, and yet they prophesied. He said, they prophesied lies in my name. He said, they prophesied the deceit of their own heart. Verse 28, the prophet that has a dream, let him tell the dream. He that has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat? says the Lord. There is a real. No matter how much junk there is, there is the real. And we must learn to discern between what's right and what's wrong. How can it happen? It's simple. When you spend time around a person enough, hearing them, watching them, listening to them, Seeing them do stuff, hearing their decisions, watching their actions and reactions. You spend enough time around somebody in their presence and hearing them and seeing them. If somebody comes up with this wild idea that that person did, you'll say, no, that's not right. Why? You know them enough to know you've heard them say things that were contradictory to that. And somebody tells you that that person did such and such thing that's just wrong and bizarre. You say, no, I don't believe that. I know them. But when you haven't spent time around somebody, you haven't seen and heard them, you might believe any number of things about them that's not right. And that's where so many Christians are. People can just tell them all kind of stuff about God and they'll just swallow it and go, okay, if you say so. God did this. Whew, okay. Seems kind of mean, but Okay. God didn't do this. Wow, I wonder why he didn't. I don't know. This mysterious. We just don't understand. And the implication is you can't understand. You can't know. You'll never really know in this life. You'll never really get a grip on it because he's amazing and almighty and you're just clueless. Lies. Not so. Said out loud, I can know him. I can know him. 
for myself. Say it again. I can know him for myself. Say it out loud. I will know him. I do know him for myself. So thank God for ministry gifts. But you don't have to know the word vicariously through the ministry gifts. What's supposed to happen is if you're supposed to be here and I'm supposed to be here and Phyllis and I are gifts to you and you have other gifts in your life and the Lord's ministering, he gives something in us and through us. You don't just take our word for it because you believe we can understand the word, but you can't. No, 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 no. You hear it. But as you're hearing it, you're paying attention to the anointing that is in you. You're paying attention to the anointing that is in you. So I'm not your teacher. No man, no woman is your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. And if it is him talking to you through me, then you got the same spirit in you who's in me. Same one. And if it's really something from him, it is that anointing in me and through me, same anointing that's in you. Same anointing. And it will bear witness with you. You will hear it. You will see it. And it wasn't Brother Keith that showed it to you. He showed it to you. He revealed it to you. You're, and you're not, when we come to church, we're not just supposed to be seeing each other and hearing each other. We're supposed to see him. We're supposed to hear him. And we're supposed to experience him. And as we do this day after day and week in and week out, we get to know him. We get to know him. So when somebody comes and tries to tell me some wild, goofy thing, supposedly God said this, God did that, and God wants this, and this is his will, and this is his way, I say, oh, no, 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 no. That can't be so. Because the word says this. The word says this. Can't, that can't be right. And when that happens, you begin to grow up in him. And you're not led astray by every wind of doctrine and every strange and new thing that comes down the pike. You must examine everything by the word. I want you to check me and anybody else that ever stands up here and speaks to you. I want you to check me close by the word. You examine me. You examine every word because I could make a mistake. I could say something that's not right. You examine every word and I challenge you, discipline yourself to examine everything you believe by this book. How do you separate the wheat from the chaff? Don't just let anybody in their brother tell you what God is like and what his will is. Let him tell you. Go straight to the source. This book, this Bible. Let me encourage you right now. We read a chapter Every day, Monday through Friday. If you haven't been doing that, I want you to start with us. You'll find if you read one chapter every day, Monday through Friday, you'll have read the New Testament through in its entirety in one year. Works out perfectly. So we're reading right now, just happens to be in the book of Hebrews. Works out real good. 
You can go online and you can see what chapter we're reading on each day. And we'll have, do we have some reading cards in the back already? At the information counter, you can pick up those and start reading with us. And don't just read it to say, oh, I did a religious thing. I read some Bible today. No, no. Before you read the chapter, pray and say, Lord, reveal yourself to me through these words. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to know who you really are, what you really think, what your priorities are, what your ways are. Show me. And then start reading in faith. And I'm telling you, the words will not just be words. You'll be hearing him. You'll be hearing the one who created the heavens and the earth. And you'll begin to get to know him and experience him for yourself. Can you say amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Won't everybody stand up, please? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just lift our hands and close our eyes and focus on him right now. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord. You are real. You're here with us today. You said if any two or three of us were gathered together in your name, you would be right here in the midst of us. So you are here. Your presence is here with us. Just keep your eyes closed. Listen for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Begin to practice his presence in your daily life, just like Enoch did. He got tired of hearing stories about how grandpa and grandma knew God. And he said, I want to know him for myself. So he'd just go out, maybe out into the the woods, maybe out into the remote area. And he'd say, God, I, I believe you're here. I'm just going to talk to you. I'm going to put my mind on you. And maybe when he first started that, he sensed nothing. He felt nothing. He just did it by faith. But as time went on, he began to sense the presence of the Lord. (laughs) This excited him. So he would do it all the more. And the more he did it, the stronger the presence got. And as he walked with the Lord and waited on the Lord, focused his heart and attention on the Lord... In the presence of the Almighty, he was transformed. And then eventually, in the presence of the Almighty, he was translated. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.